Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. Cody Jinx, we get by kicking things off for us on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. Brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Hope everybody is having a great morning out there. I'm your host, Cable Smith. So great to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies. Uh, We have got a great show lined up for you today and there is no place i'd rather be than sitting around the campfire with you talking all things outdoors so you know what to do by now pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat up old thermos the one that still has mud caked on it from the 2011 waterfowl season (laughs) well if it's like mine anyway uh, because we've got a lot to get into and we'll kick things off today uh, when an old friend joins the show, uh, Miss Teresa Vale. You probably know her as Miss Kansas 2013 and uh, 2014 Miss America finalist. Well, the gal is a passionate hunter, and uh, she's transformed that passion and those good looks into a brand new hunting show that will premiere on Outdoor Channel next week, Limitless with Teresa Vale. And uh, not only does Teresa pursue all kinds of big game on the show, but she also pushes her limits physically doing a 26-mile death baton march in the New Mexico White Sands region. Also flying a jet fighter plane upside down. I think she loses her lunch on that episode. (laughs) So uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, But uh, all sorts of other adventures, you know, she tackles. Uh, on the show. So it's a hunting slash adventure show. I think we're going to see some of both in each episode, and we're looking forward to uh, getting into that with Teresa here in a little bit. Then uh, we will spend a good portion of the show talking about the second most popular freshwater fish sought after by Texas anglers. Yes, I am talking about catfish. Texas Parks and Wildlife actually has a, uh, a vision in place as to where catfishing in the Lone Star State is headed. Over the next 50 years, as our population continues to explode, uh, they've been working on this project for years and years. Most people don't even know about it. Uh, But Dave Terry, our Texas Parks and Wildlife Inland Fisheries Director of Management and Research, will be here uh, to talk about this vision for Texas catfishing. So uh, cool stuff coming up with Dave here shortly. Uh, After that... Our longtime friend and managing editor of Lone Star Outdoor News, uh, one of my favorite writers, Connor Harrison, will drop by. There's this uh, interesting thing going on in the hunting community. I think it's fostered by social media and uh, keyboard tough guys, internet bullies. But the thing is, is that hunters continually want to beat each other up over their harvest. And and anglers, too. Uh, They're not exempt from this. But why do all the great people that make up this amazing outdoor community continually want to kick each other in the groin? It doesn't make any sense to me. And to go even more into detail, why is there this 
this clash between people who call themselves trophy hunters versus regular hunters. Isn't every one of us a trophy hunter to some extent? If a 120-inch and a 170-inch whitetail buck walk out at the same time and you've only got one tag, which one are you going to shoot? Well, yeah, you're going to shoot the 170-inch buck. Um, would you rather catch a 5-pound bass or a 10-pound bass? Yeah, we'd all rather catch the double digit. I mean, so people say they're not a trophy hunter, but at the end of the day, everybody likes a big rack. They like boars with big tusks. They like pintails with long sprigs, double-digit bass, and 30-inch trout. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, this division of trophy hunters versus non-trophy hunters, it doesn't make any sense because we all want to harvest or catch the biggest specimen that we can in our specific situation. So uh, we'll get into that dynamic here <laughs> in a little bit with Connor. It uh, really is a fascinating uh, topic. Uh, then we will wrap up the show with my spring black bear review. Uh, lots of y'all have emailed or Facebook messaged me asking for details um, about our Alberta black bear hunt from a couple weeks ago. So we'll get into cost, um, what you should expect from an outfitter, uh, all that stuff. I've done a lot of research, actually did quite a bit before I booked my hunt and uh, have done even uh, a significant amount more uh, to share with you guys. So that's coming up at the bottom of the hour. A uh, couple other things uh, coming up in July. We've got another great photo of the month grand prize. July's winner will get to spec out their own bow from Elite Archery, however they want, including the model, all that stuff. So uh, another awesome prize coming at you in July. Uh, and then our 12 monthly photo of the month winners from 2015 will square off at the end of the year for a chance to join me on a trophy black buck or axis deer hunt down at Coons Canyon Ranch. Well, let's see. Uh, one other thing. Let's do a quick giveaway here. Uh, I've got a three curl lease connection, the Dove Stop Here t-shirt and koozie that we'll give away this morning. And this is uh, that nice ring spun soft cotton, not that itchy crap. Uh, it's a green t-shirt with the three curl logo and uh, and the koozie. We'll give that away this morning. All you need to do is text in the word DOVE, that's DOVE, to 214-289-7807. DOVE to 214-289-7807. And we will draw a winner from everybody that texts in this weekend. Let's knock out a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Miss Kansas 2013 and passionate hunter, Miss Teresa Vale. You're listening. The Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Then I wake up with my sheets soaking wet and a freight train running through the middle of my head and we cool my desire. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution: the System Hog Trap comes in two sizes 17 foot and 30 foot diameter traps after you trap the hogs take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder the system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence that way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com that's goinfencing.com 
Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. She's shining in the moonlight, staring back at a midnight sky. That girl's got a look in her eyes. And a cutting like diamonds, living bleeding inside. There's a little that reckless Kelly bringing us back on ride. Dallas Safari Club. Lone Star Outdoor Show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hawk. Power Polaris, Cable Smith here, riding shotgun with you. Thank you so much for sharing a part of your weekend with me. I sincerely do appreciate it as uh, we are about to check in with an old friend of ours uh, and let me tell you she is a looker i'm not kidding fellas <laughs> but uh, before teresa vale makes her return to the program this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by lone star beer the national beer of texas remember to celebrate tight lines and full stringers this summer with an ice-cold Lone Star beer. Lone Star beer, the national beer of Texas. Well, uh, let's go ahead and bring her back on here. Miss Kansas 2013, a finalist in the 2014 Miss America pageant, and now the host of her own show, Limitless, with Teresa Vale on Outdoor Channel. Uh, Teresa, so great to have you back with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It has been quite some time. It is a pleasure, and I know that this has been a crazy busy year for you as a, a huntress with the new show, and, and now with the premiere set for next week, I imagine uh, things are even uh, more crazy than ever. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I still can't believe it's coming true. It's been a year in the making. We've been filming for, you know, it's it's been since last July, so quite quite a year it's been, and to see it come to fruition and air on Thursday, I'm it's a dream come true. Awesome. Yeah, well, we are certainly looking forward to it. And, uh, and yeah, last time we spoke, you just made uh, national headlines by becoming the first contestant uh, to show her tattoos off at the Miss America pageant. Um, and you've been, obviously, like we said, very busy since then. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think going back to then, I mean, I, I know that you kind of grew up, uh, obviously, around guns and, and uh, were into the oh, outdoors. Yeah. 
but I think you were just taking up bow hunting at that point. And, uh, uh you... yeah, I started bow hunting just about three years ago. Uh-huh. And, well, I know so you hadn't shot that big buck yet, um, but, uh, <laughs> the opportunities were starting to arrive and then I was, you know, following along the season, I think on your Facebook page and saw an absolute, uh, monster, uh, Kansas a monster. bruiser. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 170, wow. 170. I, yeah, that's a lifetime deer. Oh, for sure. You got me beat. Now was that, uh, was that a bow or, or a rifle hunt? That was a bow hunt. Awesome. Awesome. And so, well, t- tell us about that. I mean, how far was the buck? How far did he make it? I mean, give us all the details. I mean, you shoot up. Oh, my gosh. It was it was a textbook hunt. Everything that that could have gone right went right, and nothing went wrong. Um, you know, he was behind some trees for probably 30 minutes. So we were watching him behind these trees, and I knew that as soon as he stepped out towards me, it would be a nice 18-yard shot perfect broadside and that's exactly what happened 18 yards broadside he ran maybe 60 yards mm-hmm. and that was it it, awesome. it was textbook so you could see him go down oh yeah oh. oh yeah and we had i mean we had gopros everywhere i think we had five live angles oh wow wow and so yeah. will we see this on an upcoming episode you will yeah i think it's uh a little further down the line, maybe episode three or four, but it's, it's, it's in the beginning. Awesome. Very cool. Um, well, well tell us a little bit, you know, give us an overview of Limitless because you take on some pretty incredible non-hunting related challenges as well. And it's, it's, uh, it's a kind of a, a different format as we're going to see hunting footage and you doing stuff like uh is it like the is it called the death battalion march in white sands new mexico i've heard so much oh about the it. baton death march oh my, yeah yeah 26 miles 26 miles 40 pounds in your rucksack on your back wow wow and so we'll see that so, as well as some yeah you know. that's actually the first episode um so you'll see that right up front and and yeah that's the whole concept of limitless it's putting us in on a traditional hunting show and um, you know, the word limitless for me means anyone testing your comfort zone and doing things that you might not typically do. Um, so I, I would never consider myself an expert hunter. So I, every hunt I think is, is me trying to become more, more limitless, um, less of a novice learning something new on every hunt. But then the flip side, the B story, the adventure, I'm testing myself in every way possible. The death march, you know, 26 miles with 40 pounds on your rucksack. Climbing Devil's Tower, um, which is the first national monument of the United States, 1,500 vertical feet. Wow. Uh, things that people would never think to do, but it may or may not be on their bucket list. And and after doing these things, I, I really encourage people to fulfill these bucket lists or create one at least because the feeling that you get once you accomplish these things, and once you cross them off your bucket list, the feeling you have is empowerment and, and confidence in your abilities, your mindset. It's pretty incredible. You're testing your, your mental fortitude and your, your physical capabilities. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. A bunch of my buddies uh, from high school are actually going to uh, climb Mount Rainier, um, very famous. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're climbing wow. this actually next month. 
And I had to choose between that or New Mexico bull elk, and I'm sure you can imagine which one I, I chose. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. But, I don't uh, blame you. But they're all training, you know. They're getting in shape for one thing. I'm I'm training and getting in shape for, you know, chasing uh, hopefully big bulls throughout the, the New nice. Mexico uh, wilderness. And and awesome. now when you were in um, New Mexico, were you actually? I read that you did a a, a bull elk hunt there as well. I did. Yeah, I did. Um, that was in the Gila Mountains. Mm-hmm. And it was epic. It was beautiful. We were surrounded by bugles and bulls. And have you heard the, have you been oh, yeah. hunting before? Uh, last year it was oh, my, my first time, but I, I was unsuccessful. So I've kind of got a chip on my shoulder for this. Oh, uh, I was unsuccessful in the bow hunt. I, I was never able to let an arrow out, but but just being surrounded by it and the sounds like the hair on the back of my neck just stood straight up listening to those bugles and and they seem so close uh-huh oh yeah it's yeah it's incredible there's nothing like it and and i i, I mean i was 15 yards from an elk at one point i didn't get a shot off but he was just bugling you know there's some vegetation between us but it it is uh for someone like myself or you i guess that hasn't done it before it was a, a new experience and one that i found uh yeah very addicting to say the least likewise yeah exactly i i what i really loved was the physicality of it all mm-hmm. um you know you're hiking up and down these mountains day and night just searching for that bull elk and and that's what i love you know deer hunting is great and there's a time and a place for it but i like to keep moving and I, I like to stay busy and active oh yeah oh yeah for sure well, um, talk about some of the other hunts and adventures. I, I think you're going to be flying a, a fighter jet um, of some other <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know. Uh, and then, and also, we had on uh, Arlie Ermia uh, almost probably been a month ago, and he yeah. specifically mentioned he had you on as a guest of his new show, and y'all got to blow up mm-hmm. some stuff or do something cool. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I'm sure that was a, a pretty exciting deal as well. Yes, that so that was for his show, and um, we shot old World War II sniper rifles the most in the gun and that was pretty awesome especially being able to do it with gunny saying you were in that situation with them um but the with my show you mentioned the fighter jet uh-huh. that of of all the adventures we've done for limitless that one really got my blood going oh my gosh i mean you're going upside down in this thing you're doing spirals and it's all you you have Full control of the aircraft. It's a pretty scary thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a pretty scary thought, but um, I uh, I definitely lost my lunch on that one. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Well, hopefully that will be edited <laughs> out of the footage. But uh. <laughs> oh no, that's what makes it epic. You, I mean, you see, you. What's so funny is there's a camera right in front of me, and you see me just screaming, going upside down. And then all of a sudden, you see me reach for a bag, and then my face just goes down. <laughs> awesome. That's yeah, awesome. that one's going to be pretty pretty funny. Cool. Well, so tell us about some of the other animals that you'll be hunting uh, on this first season. I think there's going to be nine shows. Um, mm-hmm. And like we said, it's Thursdays, 9.30 or 8.30 Central, 9.30 Eastern on Outdoor Channel. So folks need to uh, remember to set their DVRs for the series. Uh, but yeah, talk mm-hmm. about some of the other animals that uh, you'll be attempting to harvest throughout the series. Yeah, uh, so we have Montana elk. Um, that's a, that was a rifle hunt. 
the New Mexico elk, that was a bow hunt, um, lots of pheasant. Frankie uh, Shotguns is the presenting sponsor of the show, so we were able to do a bunch of pheasant hunts, one in Italy even. Oh, wow. Um, and that was, yeah, that was just gorgeous. What else? Ooh, I think that's it. Yeah, whitetail. Uh-huh. Elk and pheasant, yeah. Well, so that's the first season of Limitless. And so, are you already planning hunts for season two? We're not at that point just yet. Um, we're still trying to make sure Limitless gets finished on time, since we're still editing sure. a lot of the uh, later episodes. Uh huh. Well, let me ask you this then: uh, as far as things that you didn't film, or you know, that won't be. Uh, you know, featured in the first season. What's the number one thing on your bucket list, the, the the next hunt that you'd like to take on? Honestly, I want to redeem myself on my New Mexico elk hunt with a bow. Um, I, I was able to take one with a rifle in Montana, but just being that close to them, and you know how it is. You said you were 15 yards oh, from yeah. one. Being that close and not being able to get a shot off is a horrific feeling and i i have to redeem myself um and they're just they're beautiful creatures the meat is absolutely fantastic so um that's what i'd like to do awesome awesome well yes and i will tell you this i, I i've got to redeem myself because i actually did have another encounter at, at uh, 27 yards and i missed so <laughs> and and i'll tell you I, i'm not gonna i'm not too proud to say i got well i, I guess you'd call it bull fever since it was elk but I mean, I had a camera yeah. on my bow, and I forgot to turn it on. I mean, everything that you could have oh. done, you could have done wrong. I'm sh I shot from a sitting, uh, kneeling position. I had time to stand up. I mean, just uh. re replayed it in my mind a million times since then. Oh, know, and had yeah. nightmares and about you it. Will. But, <laughs> yep, yep. But it was a clean will. miss. I didn't wound it, so that was good. No, good. That's great. Um, but yeah, we'll try to. We'll so both. you know how it is. We have to redeem ourselves. Yeah. So do you? Ha are you going back to New Mexico then uh, this fall? I'm hoping so, yeah, just because, I mean, we were surrounded by them, and the environment was, it was gorgeous, those Gila Mountains, just hiking up and down those was, it was bull country over there. Oh, yeah, Gila is legendary, uh, that's a Yeah, exactly, nice I was, well, cool. I'd like to go back there. Uh, now, one other thing I was going to ask you, last year you were at the, a uh, couple of the Texas Trophy Hunter shows, I don't know if you're going to be doing that again this summer. But I, I, I will be. I will be at, let's see, their Dallas show and Houston. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, I think we caught you in San Antonio last year. Mm-hmm. So, mm -hmm. Yep. Well, you'll be making the rounds again this summer. Well, awesome stuff. We look forward to having you uh, come to Texas this summer. And, Teresa, just uh, it's great to, you know, go back in time and say, oh, you know, we did this interview and then <laughs> revisit it, you know, uh, maybe two years later and see how far you've come. It's, and congratulations. We're, we're really looking forward to, you. Uh, to the premiere on uh, next Thursday. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Take care, Teresa. You too. Bye. All right. There she goes. The beautiful Miss Teresa Vale. Always uh, a treat to talk outdoors with such a sweetheart. And fellas, uh, I don't think that uh, – Teresa is off the open market and you know those kind of gals that like to hunt and are that good looking don't stay available for too long so come on out to the uh, Texas Trophy Hunter shows in Fort Worth and uh, as well as Houston I think Teresa said she'll be at both of those so uh, head on out there and uh, see about dropping your best pickup line on her <laughs> who knows uh, crazier things have happened but uh, anyway that segment is, was brought to you by the Brush to Bay Outfitters 
Bonanza Bash, sponsored by Foreverlast, is taking place July 25th in Howlettsville, Texas. Huge discounts on all kinds of outdoor products. Uh, also, a free concert uh, that evening from 7 to 11, featuring the great Adam Hood, as well as Jade Patek. Uh, so, uh, it's going to be a great event. I think Nick Munt from Bone Collector is scheduled to be there as well, and that's going down, like I said, July 25th in Howlettsville, Texas. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk all things Texas catfishing with Dave Terry. He's our chief of fisheries management and research for Texas Parks and Wildlife's Inland Fisheries Division. And he and his department have a vision for Texas catfishing here over the next 50 years. Uh, and we'll get into all of that next. Some very interesting stuff. Plus, uh, Dave wants your feedback. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're talking catfish fishing coming up only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I wasted many an hour far too many bars. I don't like to drink alone at all. Cable Smith here with my good friend Craig Smith, owner of Game Guard Outdoors. And you know, Craig, Game Guard Camouflage has been concealing Texas hunters for over a decade now. And this fall, we're equally as excited about the brand new and revolutionary Gulf Coast Cooler, uh, the first modular cooler system ever to hit the market. Yeah, Cable, we're excited about it. It truly is a modular system. And now a guy doesn't have to have three or four different coolers. He can have one cooler that he can attach another one to it. We have wheel wheel attachments that snap onto the cooler to get it to and from the boat and with a lot more attachments to follow this season. Well, we're certainly looking forward to using ours in the field this fall. And Cable, we want to we wanna thank our customers again. This is our 11th season and, and uh, things just keep getting better and we appreciate every one of them. Well, we appreciate you, Craig. And for more information, y'all visit gulfcoastcooler.com. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. BioBore EB is the premier gasoline additive that combats the negative effects ethanol has on an engine. Its comprehensive formula is designed to protect marine engines and marine environments, yet also works great in all two- and four-stroke engines. It prevents phase separation and ethanol-related engine problems while stabilizing fuel for 18 months. BioBore's detergents also clean the entire fuel system of carbon and varnishes. BioBore EB has the best treat rate in the industry. One ounce treats an amazing 15 gallons of gas. Available at your local sporting goods store or visit BioBore.com today. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace 
that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H is in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Hey, this is Mitch Moreland with the Texas Rangers. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show with my buddy Cable Smith. Mud between my two. The first day of sun. I cut me a cane pole. I'm going catfish fishing. <laughs> One of my all-time favorites there. From our good friend, Mr. Guthrie Kennard, Catfish Fishing is the name of that one. I'm Cable Smith, by the way, welcoming everybody back to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. We're actually about to talk some catfish fishing with Dave Terry, our Chief of Fisheries Management and Research for Texas Parks and Wildlife. Uh, But first, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit, who since 1917 has assured its borrowers competitive interest rates on real estate loans, rural home loans, livestock, and farm and ranch loans. So let Lone Star Ag Credit help you finance your piece of Texas today by visiting LoneStarAgCredit.com. Well, let's go ahead now and bring on our next guest. Like I said, he's our Chief of Fisheries Management and Research for TPWD. It's my pleasure to welcome Dave Terry back to the program. Thank you, Cable. Always glad to be on the program. Hey, it's great to have you with us. And uh, I guess last time we spoke, we talked alligator gar. Uh, But today, Dave, we're going to get into the second most sought-after fish by Texas anglers. Absolutely. Um, The catfish in Texas are going to get much due notice from Uh Texas Parks and Wildlife in trying to improve fishing for catfish across our entire state. Wow. Improving a fishery that I think, and and I'd say most anglers would agree, is already pretty stellar. Yeah, it is. Darn good. Um, And, you know, we aim to refine that further and make it even better, or at least keep great catfish fishing in our state. Um, Texas is blessed with, you know, three species that offer up wide recreational value to anglers across the board. Of course, channel catfish, blue catfish, flathead catfish are the big three. Mm Mm-hmm. And each of them, you know, have separate, you know, unique life history characteristics that make them unique in providing fishing opportunities of a diverse kinds for all anglers across our state, from kids to adults to just about anybody. And also, I think they have potential, you know, to help um, help uh, be economically important in our state, too. Um, and uh, many different reasons we need to be managing catfish. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think... Uh... I remember the first fish I ever caught was a bluegill, but then after that, uh, it was going on Indian guides campouts with my dad out at uh, um, Possum Kingdom Lake, and yes. we were catching uh, channel catfish out there, and I, I distinctly remember, and I couldn't have been more than five or six years old, but you know, I was like, what is this uh, interesting looking you know, fish with these whiskers and <laughs> and, and man, it sure tastes good, you know. <laughs> well, they are, and and I will tell you, Cable, that that's a that's a very important part of catfish angling um, that we found out in various surveys that we've done is that, 
you know, whatever Texas Parks and Wildlife and the Anglers of Texas decide to do about managing catfish, harvest needs to be an important element Mm -hmm. of this equation, no doubt. Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, just like largemouths, it's no secret. I mean, Texas Parks and Wildlife has set the the gold standard for other wildlife agencies, state wildlife agencies, to follow suit. Um, But, you know, we've been stocking catfish um, fingerlings in our ponds and and reservoirs throughout the state for years and years. Um, When did that start? Well, I can't remember exactly the year that it started, but it's been many, many years. Catfish were one of the first species ever reared, you know, in our state fish hatchery system. I mean, we've easily stocked millions of catfish in water bodies all across the state. Um, the boom probably in our hatchery development occurred at the same time that reservoirs um, began, began to uh, be constructed in Texas, so in the 1950s and 60s. But, you know, we've stocked catfish of all different sizes, uh, everything from fingerling size catfish, which are usually about an inch and a half to two inches, up to adult fish that we currently stock in our neighborhood fishing lakes all across the state that are 12 inches or larger. So, you know, catfish have always been an important part of our stocking program and will continue to be a very important part of that, our management efforts for the species. Okay. Um, Good insight there. Uh, Now, as far as, like, I'm not asking for you to give me a species breakdown of how many fingerlings have been stocked, but are you all primarily stocking channel and blue catfish? Yes, it's primarily channel and blue catfish is what we're stocking right now. Um, but we also are looking at flathead catfish, too, and looking for ways that those fish might be able to be reared, you know, in a hatchery environment. Mm-hmm. Um, we've begun some research or have just recently completed some research on what the habitat requirements are for flathead catfish, just in case we want to do that at some point in time. But, you know, flathead catfish, though, are a uh, are a, a top-level predator fish, and, you know, we certainly wouldn't want to introduce flathead catfish into a small pond environment <laughs> um, <laughs> for obvious reasons. But these large uh, flatheads do well, you know, in our reservoir systems, and, and really there's not a lot known about the biology of these these yeah, they're pretty uh, secretive. flathead catfish. They're very secretive fish, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes we have difficult times you know, catching fish, these flathead catfish. But we're experimenting with new technologies on sampling, mainly the electrofishing method that we use that is becoming very good, you know, for sampling um, these flatheads. And we're learning more about them every day. So we'll be growing the science on flatheads going forward. But, yeah, the gold standard, you know, has to be channel catfish for sure in Texas. And blue catfish have provided some remarkable fisheries you know, in our Texas reservoirs and rivers. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had the uh, the former world record came out of Lake Texoma. Uh, oh, it was back uh, 10 years ago or so. It's since been broken, but, you know, you're talking 120-plus pound catfish. Yeah, and I'll tell you that, you know, in the, the catch a splash, it was, if you remember, it was caught in Texoma. And it was Cody brought, Mullenix, I think. Yeah, and it was brought to uh, the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens and was put on display there. And would you know that the highest visitation we've ever had during the month of March um, came at the time that we had Splash on display at TFFC? I think, I think that just uh, even higher than any any large bass that we've had on display at TFFC. Uh, just kind of goes to show you what the public interest is in these large catfish. Uh, yeah. Oh, certainly. 
Well, and going back to something you said earlier about introducing a flathead to the uh, into a, a small pond, I was just thinking that would be kind of silly. And then, and then you know, a couple weeks later, have the winter trout stocking program come in there, and <laughs> I wonder where yeah. all the trout went. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. I mean, you know, that's definitely so. But you know, flathead catfish um, are a very a species of interest for sure for mm-hmm. us from a from a management standpoint, um, especially with you know the new methodologies and ways that anglers now can take flathead catfish, uh, albeit uh, hand fishing method. Uh, Texas has launched a number of different studies, one big one on Lake Palestine, to try to ascertain, you know, what the impact of that new fishing method might be. And and our preliminary results show that, you know, hand fishing at its current levels um, is not expected to impact our large reservoir fisheries for flathead catfish. So mm-hmm. people can, you know, feel safe about that. And I know there was some concern about that early on but well, we anyway. like going after them you know going up the uh the rivers and creeks in the in the spring and summer and sure finding those big deep pools and just you know throwing a live bluegill or some cut bait out there and you just you just wait for that rod to bend over and better hold on i think that's what's so cool about <laughs> catfish is they just you know they offer a diversity of fishing opportunities for you know um the 1.3 million anglers that fish in the state of texas you know, you can catch, you can have experience high catches of these fish. You can learn to fish with a catfish. You can catch a trophy-sized catfish. Lots of different ways to enjoy these three species that we have in Texas. No doubt. And, you know, this past week I received a press release from your department, you know, talking about this vision. And, and we already discussed catfish are easy to catch, um, relatively easy to catch. They're delicious. But also, Texas you know, our population is expected to double by uh, 2050. And no matter what anyone says, the more people that live on this earth, the tougher it becomes uh, to manage good water quality. Well, catfish can thrive in situations where, let's just say, other fish can't. Uh, So that's also uh, something that you guys have have put some thought into. Yeah, and, you know, um, of course, catfish, you know, like we've talked about earlier, have been managed by Texas Parks and Wildlife for a good while. But, you know, we see Texas, Texas is changing. You know, Texas is becoming more and more urban, more and more people are living in our large metropolitan areas. Um, some 85% of our population now lives in, you know, like four major metropolitan areas, uh, DFW, Houston, Austin, San Antonio. And, you know, the, the, uh, and, and also there's just a wealth of small water bodies, um, small impoundments in these major metropolitan areas that are just ripe for catfish management. Well, a lot of the folks that live in our urban areas now, um, what we found through um, some surveys we've done is that people want good quality fishing close to home. Um, that is one of the most important um, characteristics of our our population that lives in these these urban areas. So, you know, that's what we want to use. We want to use catfish as a tool to help provide fishing opportunities for youth and families and people who um, live near these, in and near these major metropolitan areas, while also continuing to manage the the catfish uh, populations in our large public reservoirs as well. So there's a demographic, Texas Parks and Wildlife believes that, you know, we need to be in front of that shift so that we can be creating new anglers um, for our state, for sure. I encourage people to go read the press release. We don't have time to get into every single thing listed on here, but it's very detailed. You have a lot of different goals outlined, yes. um, but, you know, number one, increase fishing opportunities and access for anglers. Number two, develop and implement the best practices to manage catfish populations. 
Um, and then there's, you know, sub, sub points under each one of these. I mean, six, seven. I mean, it's very detailed. Like I said, I encourage people to go, go read those. Um, and then you guys want feedback. I mean, that's really why we're having this interview today is you guys want to know what anglers thoughts are and, uh, and they can give you that feedback. I think by, um, taking an online survey. That's correct. Um, you know, what this, what we've done is we did in 2010, we did a statewide catfish angler survey in 2010. We, to really seek out the needs and desires of Texas catfish anglers. So we sent surveys, you know, to our catfish anglers and asked them, what do you want in your fishing? What's most important to your fishing for catfish? Also, we've done a pile of, of research studies on catfish so that we can learn from a science manage point, you know, how we might manage these fish in the future. And we used all this information, the angler input and the feedback from our surveys and our research to put together a management plan, a draft management plan, which kind of articulates our vision for the future in catfish fishing and management in our state. So what we'd like folks to do is go to the go to the, the catfish management plan, the draft plan, uh, read it over, um, and let us know what you think. Um, we have, like you say, we've got two goals and multiple strategies under each of these goals, and all these are based on what feedback we've gotten from our customers, our anglers, and our research. Um, so go and read this document and let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little direction as to where folks can find that. Yes, uh, you can find it on our uh, uh, on our Texas Parks and Wildlife uh, website. Um, we can link you to the, the, the just went out on the press release today, and in that is a link to the draft document, which is up on our website. Which I'll, I'll put it on our Facebook page too, so folks. Can if you find would, it there. I, I appreciate that. And then if you read the read the catfish management plan at the very end of it, you'll find a link to take an online survey. You know, we want to hear from you. We, we want to make sure that our catfish. That what we're saying in that plan resonates with your your, your perception of what catfish fishing ought to be, mm-hmm. um, for sure. We know they're an important part of fishing in the future, not only for recruiting new anglers, but to ensure that we have quality fishing opportunities down the road as we meet these demands for our water um, in the state. As you had mentioned earlier, the water quality issues in our state. We just want to make sure that you know, we provide fishing long into the future, and we think catfish is definitely the vehicle to help us get down there, down that road. Yeah. Well, and, you know, a lot of people, I think, you talk about catfish, here's this, this fish that everybody fishes for or has fished for, but it seems to always take a backseat, you know, to largemouth bass. It seems to be king in Texas. Um, but it's all this behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't think probably many of our listeners knew that you guys had been doing so much research uh, with our catfish fishery. So it's great to know um, that behind the scenes, all this has been going on. It's been years and years in the making. And, uh, and, and you know, the anglers are the ones who are going to reap the benefits because hopefully we will continue to have uh, some of the best catfishing in the world here in Texas. Yeah, and, and maybe we can create it such that people are not going to have to travel so far to get it, too, and, and I think which is important. What they told us in, in the previous surveys we've done, what the anglers have told us, is that they want fishing close to home. They want an opportunity to catch lots of catfish. They want an opportunity to take some home, and they want an also an opportunity to catch a big one now and then. And we think, with all the resources that we have in Texas, we can provide all those things. Mm-hmm. And I think awesome. one thing that's really cool is also is that we've had a lot of success. I, do you know about, uh, Cable, do you know about our neighborhood fishing program? Oh, yeah. How I, we used to, okay, well. I, I uh, take advantage of that very, <laughs> and now that I have a two-and-a-half-year-old son, I will be 
uh, taking advantage of it even more often. Well, I'll tell you, we have been using catfish and using them in our neighborhood fishing lakes and developing, you know, quality fishing close to where folks live in our urban areas. And would you know, right now we have 17 lakes in the program and multiple sponsors, financial sponsors that help us with that. But um, based on our last survey completed in 2013, we estimate that we have now about 100,000 anglers that are using those neighborhood fishing lakes every year. And get this, 50% of the folks who utilize neighborhood fishing lakes are, are children or people or adults new to fishing. Hmm. Wow. Giving you a clue of what <laughs> we can do. When we can create quality fishing close to home for people, like through the neighborhood fishing program, um, this, is, uh, this is what we can provide. And, of course, that's a piece also of this catfish um, management plan. How cool. How cool. Awesome. Well, that's what it's all about is, is uh, recruiting new anglers, uh, both young and old, uh, into the sport that, that uh, all of us love so much. So, Absolutely. Dave, great stuff today, my friend. And uh, we'll, we'll share this on Facebook and, and help get the word out. And, and I Please do that. Uh, visit our website. Go and read the draft catfish management plan. At the end of the, the draft uh, document there, you'll, after you read it, go ahead and take our online survey and let us, you know, let us know what you think about our goals and strategies going forward. And we we believe that it'll be what the anglers like because we used angler um, needs and desires information to help us compile it. But if there's something we're missing, well, we want to know about that too. So anyway, we want to wrap this plan up in December 2015 is when it'll be completed. And, and if you leave us your email address, we'd be happy to send you a copy of the finalized plan too to your email. So anyway, it's the least Perfect. we can do. Awesome. Well, hey, Dave, thank you so much, man. We do appreciate your time today and uh, appreciate all that our uh, our inland fisheries uh, division does to uh, to provide opportunity for all the anglers out there. Thank you, Cable. Take care, Dave. You bet. Bye. All right, our chief of fisheries management and research for Texas Parks and Wildlife, Dave Terry. Uh, always great talking some kind of freshwater fish with Dave uh, over the years. And that segment, by the way, proudly brought to you by STI Guns. They've got a full lineup of 1911 and 2011-style pistols. They're Texas-owned and Texas-made, based out of Georgetown. Uh, check them out at stiguns.com for your next handgun. And go Texan, go STI. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by our longtime friend and managing editor of Lone Star Outdoor News, Connor Harrison, will be here, and we'll dive into this uh, interesting dynamic going on in the hunting community trophy hunters versus non-trophy hunters aren't we all in this together why do members of the hunting community continue to want to beat each other up uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but we'll tackle that next only on dallas safari club's home star outdoors show a little bit of love won't fix it ain't nothing but a scratch a little bit of love can't stitch it ain't nothing If you're in the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas-Lewisville, Bobcat of Fort Worth, and Bobcat of Longview. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. Our rights as Texas property owners and sportsmen are under attack by those seeking to divide our community and destroy our way of life. 
Thousands of Texas families enjoy the precious rights to hunt and manage their wildlife resources. No one person or group should force their viewpoint on you. We have the freedom of choice as the law allows. We must stand together. Texas Deer Association protects the future of our hunting heritage. We are the Texas Deer Association. Join us in saying no to those who seek to divide us. For more information, visit TexasDeerAssociation.com. Hey y'all, Cable here, and I was just out catching sand bass on Lake Bob Sandlin with the guys from Eagle Shores, and they wanted me to remind you about the one weekend sale July 11th and 12th. Purchase your own lakefront property that weekend, and Eagle Shores on Lake Bob Sandlin will throw in a free jet ski and trailer. It's time you stop going to your buddy's lake house every holiday and started making memories at your own place by calling Eagle Shores at 877-9-LAKESIDE. That's 877-9-LAKESIDE to get set up for the July sale at Eagle Shores. At LSC Trailer Sales, we offer a full line of utility trailers from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. We can special order a custom trailer specific to your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions you might have about trailers. Call 940-484-5500 or visit us at lsctrailersales.com. Finally, quality trailers at affordable prices in Dallas-Fort Worth. Are you looking for the perfect place to send your hunting buddy? Then check out Tioga Retrievers. With over 20 years experience, Angie and Tim Becker can provide you with a field champion or a well-rounded hunting companion. Tioga Retrievers takes pride in catering to the needs of each owner and their dog. Conveniently located 45 miles north of DFW in Aubrey, Texas, Tioga Retrievers also offers day training and boarding. Call 940-440-0018 or visit them online at www.tiogaretrievers.com. That's T-I-O-G-A retrievers.com. Foundation, one of my favorites there from the band of Heathens, bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. Brought to you by Lone Star Beer and our friends over at Hoff Power Polaris. Cable Smith here. Thank you so much for letting me ride shotgun with you on a lovely Lone Star weekend. Uh, to all our friends tuning in via our podcast or uh, otherwise, maybe you're streaming online and you're in a, another state. We appreciate you being a part of today's broadcast as well. As we are about to get into this uh, interesting phenomenon between the hunting community where uh, trophy hunters are often being attacked by non-trophy hunters. It seems like we should all be in this to take the nicest animal possible and then reap the benefits of that harvest by putting great natural protein on the table. So this uh, division doesn't register with me. I don't get it. And we are going to get into that here uh, momentarily. But first, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. To get involved with our great group of folks passionate about conservation, big game hunting, education, and hunter advocacy, check us out at biggame.org. Well, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest here, a fellow member of Dallas Safari Club and one of my favorite outdoor writers. He's the managing editor of Lone Star Outdoor News and uh, always enjoy reading his content. It's my pleasure to welcome Connor Harrison back to the program. Thanks, Gable. I'm glad to be back. I appreciate you having me on. 
You bet, my friend. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, Connor, I guess, first of all, before we get into today's topic, how has your summer been? Oh, man, summer has been good so far. It has definitely arrived in Texas. Uh, it is it is warm out there. But uh, we've had a good summer. I've uh, got, got two kids at home, and they're having a great summer. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been good. So thanks for asking. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I know your your son is about five months old. He showed up uh, about the time of the DSC convention. So I'm sure a future outdoorsman in the making. But, hey, Connor, what I want to jump into here is and it's not necessarily a new thing by any means but it does seem to be becoming more and more prevalent with today's modern and social media driven world and that is the negativity between outdoorsmen and women when it comes to the different legal methods they use to take an animal and then more specifically this distinction between hunters and trophy hunters uh honestly I don't even understand why that distinction exists because aren't we all trying to shoot the biggest, most mature buck that we can? Or doesn't everyone admire that pintail with a six-inch sprig coming out the back of it? Or heck, why does Texas Parks and Wildlife even have a share program if we're not all out there trying to catch the biggest bass that we can? And I know that you're actually working on a uh, an opinion-based piece uh, for an upcoming issue of Lone Star Outdoor News that, that deals with this topic directly. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, hopefully it won't be too much of an opinion piece. We tend to stay away from op-eds in Lone Star Outdoor News, but uh, I've been asking a lot of people a lot of questions on this subject recently, and it, it's something we, we've seen, and you're right, with the advent of, uh, of social media, and, and maybe it's always been here, the division among among different groups of hunters. But now with the Facebook platforms and the Internet and everybody's got an opinion and everybody wants to share it, it seems uh, we're seeing more and more of the divisiveness within the hunting community itself uh, when we should be fighting the anti-hunters to, to preserve our way of life. And instead it seems like uh, we're turning on each other more and more, and, and that's difficult to see. Okay, so we'll expect to see that in an upcoming uh, issue of Lone Star Outdoor News. And and I guess last week um, you commented on a post on our Facebook page, and it was uh, actually, I think it was uh, somebody had shot a uh, giraffe in Africa, and, and people were like, well, I'm not a trophy hunter. I don't know why you'd ever shoot a giraffe. And, and I'm going to read your comment here because I thought it was uh, very well put together and, and really sure. um, kind of sparked the idea that, you know, we should get together and talk about this. And and you said, quote, I hate the new distinction between hunters and trophy hunters. Why are the two mutually exclusive? I'm a trophy hunter and still eat everything I kill. I don't know any trophy hunters who don't. So just because I challenge myself to pursue the biggest, oldest, and smartest doesn't mean I cut the head off and leave it. We're all hunters. This is the reason our sport will die. And uh, I thought that was pretty profound and so true um, because – we're all in this together. You know, we're all outdoorsmen, outdoor women. You know, uh, this is our passion. It's what many of us live for. A lot of our, you know, a lot of folks' careers, like yours and mine. Uh, so I don't Absolutely. understand where that animosity between people who love the same things uh, stems from. Yeah, uh, and I agree with you. And uh, and just going going off of what I said, you know, I see a lot of uh, a lot of stuff on social media. When somebody posts, uh, you know, a picture of an of an elephant that somebody shot, or a giraffe, or even even a big deer here in the states, 
uh, immediately people start attacking him. Well, I'm a hunter, but, and, and, but I'm not a trophy hunter, or I don't hunt behind a high fence, or it's always, uh, you know, they qualify it with something. And, and we've seen, seen more and more of this, especially with, with the Corey Knowlton story, which I won't get into, and, and the Kendall Jones, and, and these people get, get outed on social media, and, and they get attacked by the anti-hunters, which is expected. But then you've got the hunters coming in saying, well, I would never shoot that. I'm against that. I'm, I'm, I'm just a regular hunter. I'm not a trophy hunter. And, and, and the premise seems to be that, that trophy hunters don't eat what they harvest. And, and, and I, like I said in, in the post, I consider myself a trophy hunter, but that's only because I challenge myself to go after the oldest, which is, is obviously going to be the biggest and the most challenging uh, to hunt. And so just because I might pass up 100 to 200 deer in a season waiting on one, one buck that meets my personal trophy standards, and whatever that is, uh, my personal trophy standards are going to be very different than somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And, and we've got to remember that, too. This, this goes both ways. As trophy hunters, if somebody wants to go out and shoot a two-year-old uh, six-point, and, and that to them is, is their trophy, they need to be congratulated on that. Not every deer has to live to be seven or eight years old and grow to a Boone and Crockett-sized trophy. Um, but but it, does, it does hack me off a little bit when I see, well, I'm a hunter, but I'm not a trophy hunter because I eat everything I kill. Yeah. Absolutely not. If somebody's shooting something just for the trophy, cutting the head off and leaving it, that person's despicable. They're not I, a hunter I get at all. I get more upset being a, a hunter and a trophy hunter with that person than the anti-hunters do because that person, whoever they are, they're not a hunter. It's just like you said, uh, they're they're out there to kill something, uh, and 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 so I don't know anybody and don't associate with anybody who shoot things just to stick them on the wall and and not uh, not do something with the rest of the animal and, and utilize all of that. And and I just wonder, and that that's the question I ask some of these people is. Why, why do you have this opinion of trophy hunters that, that we don't need everything we kill? And, uh, and so a lot of it, you know, a lot of it goes back to, well, I don't like high fence hunters. Well, I don't, I don't hunt behind a high fence all the time. I certainly have. And if that's, that's your, your thing, and I understand the management techniques behind it, and I'm all for it. Uh, and there, there is a difference between hunting behind a high fence and hunting in a pen. Uh, I think all trophy hunters and all hunters can make the distinction between hunting something in a pen that's a canned hunt and, and hunting something behind a high fence, especially if you're hunting with archery equipment or, or some kind of primitive weaponry, uh, that, that that's, that's, that's pretty fair chase in oh, my sure. opinion. If you're, if you're hunting something on a 10,000 acre high fence ranch with a bow and arrow, that, that's pretty fair chase. That deer still has the ability to get away. That deer so, likely has never even seen the fence line, to be honest with you, in a place that ab- big. Absolutely. A deer's home range is much less than yeah. 10 or, 10 or 15,000 acres. Yeah. And, 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 well, and I'll say, I mean, I'm going Axis deer hunting uh, Coons Canyon Ranch this weekend. It's one section, 640 acres. I've been down there to hunt Axis deer four times, and I've been successful one time. So, sure. you know, and, and I can go sit in a, plays a part of it. And absolutely. I can go sit in a blind in uh, South Texas in the brush country in the golden triangle and shoot a, you know, 140 inch deer in the first five minutes that I sit there. And that's, you know, on 40,000 acres. So sure. it, uh, it's sure. all relative, but honors, we know what ethics are. And like you said, there's a difference between a high fence and a pen for sure. Um, and, and to be honest with you, there's not a lot of pinned hunts in Texas that we get a bad rap down here because of those small operations, you know, and, and, 
the Midwest, um, that's where they come to mind for me anyway, where it might be 100 acres, 200 acres. Sure. And, sure. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm not advocating that at all. Um, but in, in going back to this, hunters kicking each other, um, like I told you uh, off the air, I shot those two bears in Alberta um, a couple weeks ago. And um, before I know it, here's somebody trolling my uh, uh, Facebook page and, oh, I, I, that's not really hunting in Pennsylvania. We do it the right way with hard work and it's real hunting. We don't use bait. And I looked at his profile picture. The guy's 5'8", probably weighs 400 pounds. And I was like, listen, dude. You don't need to educate me on hard work or hunting the, you know, the way that you think is appropriate. I mean, I'm training for back uh, country archery elk hunt in New Mexico, and there's no way mm-hmm. you could even do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, uh, it just it doesn't make any sense to me um, because at the end of the day, I think a lot of it has to do with where a person's born and, uh, you know, the regulations that were in place in the state that they live in. Sure. And that sure. shapes their, you know, their, their hunting uh, perception, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, and it comes down to, and we're seeing, we're seeing a, a, a social split in America between uh, very wealthy individuals and and the rest of us, quite frankly. And and it seems to be this negative connotation to be a wealthy individual these days in society in a lot of lot of circles. And so, when somebody sees a picture of uh, a family in Africa with an elephant or or some other animal, uh, it's easy to attack the uh, elitist hunters out there who kill for, for sport and they don't eat it, and, and then that's garbage, and people need to educate themselves that, uh, that, that, yes, there are wealthy people, and let's be honest, when you get into the, the world of international big game hunting, it is a wealthy man's, man's game, mm-hmm. um, and that's just the supply and demand economics of what it is pretty much always been that way and I don't see that changing anytime soon and I think some of it a little bit of it has to do with maybe some jealousy there and uh, certainly when I see somebody with a big elephant I'm jealous I want to go uh, I want to go shoot one Um, but people need to understand especially in a place like Africa they think that the elephant dies and the hunters have to tusk out and they leave it there that's not what they do that's what poachers do uh, hunters, uh, the safari companies over there, uh, many of them have uh, agreements in place with the local population uh, who, who, quite frankly, have been hunting that land a long time, and, uh, and there, are, there are lots of uh, poaching operations going over there. And what the professional hunter does is he goes to these villages and says, look, stop setting snares, stop the poaching. And I will give you all the meat that we harvest that we don't use. And so when somebody shoots an elephant, within a couple hours, uh, word spreads throughout the bush pretty quickly. And you've got 100 or 200 natives showing up. And and within a couple hours, that elephant, what's left of it is just bones. And and even those get utilized. And so so everything gets utilized, especially in Africa. When, When somebody shoots an old giraffe bull, uh, that might not be the first choice for camp meat uh, for the for the professional hunter, but uh, in Africa they they call it biltong. They'll cut that giraffe up, they'll dry it in the sun for a couple of days, a little bit of salt, and it is still used as currency in many places in Africa. And so so that meat is utilized and very welcome for local populations over there. So the trophy hunter is actually providing a huge service. The the poaching 
basically goes to zero in an area, and they get supplied with all sorts of fresh meat, and, and everyone wins. And mm-hmm. so people need to understand that when they see a dead elephant uh, in Africa that's been shot by a hunter, that elephant is going to get utilized 100% every single time. And, uh, and so that's, people just need to be aware that, um, that that's, that's what's going on. Oh, yeah. And, so, and, there's, and if people don't believe you, I mean, there's just images littered all over the Internet of, of natives with their machetes just hacking up elephants that, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, meat about. is meat, and, uh, and that, that is good protein and a whole lot of it yeah. uh, over oh, there. No doubt. So, no doubt. Definitely. And well, you know, um, here's the thing, and and like you said in your comments there, this will be the thing that you know uh, kills our sport. Um, paraphrasing, but um, the enemy sees when we're divided, and that's when they pounce. Whether it's you know, and going back um, like Maine recently, thank God they got it defeated, but um, there was a big, uh, there was a vote that went down regarding um, hunting black bears over bait or with dogs. And there were people from the hunting community that were lobbying against that, um, or for that, you know, outlawing those. And that's when the anti-hunters, you know, they see that as, oh, here's our chance, and then they make a big stink about it. They're like, hey, if if part of the hunting community is already against it, then this is our opportunity to get it squashed. And, and it's really hard to get those things back once they are taken away. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. They, they do pounce. The, uh, uh, the anti-hunters out there have a vast network, and when they see uh, a divisive issue, uh, they're going to pounce. And if hunters say, well, we don't like what we see going on there with other hunters, uh, they're going to pick up on that as well. And we certainly need to police ourselves to, to completely unethical uh, practices within the hunting industry. And I think we do a pretty good job of that. But if we don't put on a united front and, and really fight for our, our rights to go hunting, uh, they're going to go away because the other side has a lot of money. Uh, they're paying a lot of people in, in Washington and in, in the, the capitals of, of the states. Uh, to to erode our hunting rights and uh, and that that is a, a big worry of mine that my my five month old son won't won't be able to enjoy the same things that I've been able to enjoy in my life and uh, and that certainly makes me sad but uh, if we if we band together and if hunters stick together and uh, put on a united front I, I think I think hunting will be around uh, for for our lifetime and lifetimes to come fortunately no doubt. Well, yeah, and uh, going back to uh, our, our interview with Corey Nolton that we did last week, he said something that uh, I think often gets overlooked. There's more of us than there are of them. I mean, the numbers are, they pale in comparison as far as the number of anti-hunters compared to the people who love and appreciate the outdoors and hunting and fishing. But they have they seem to have a louder voice. And uh, I don't know, maybe the day will come where we actually have to stand up and protest and, and do the crazy kind of things that, that, that they do. Um, but, you know, today, the most important thing is, like you said, just stay united, whether you agree with the way that someone else hunts or not, or maybe just don't comment if you have something negative to say. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. For me, it's, it goes, you know, and like I told you, I've always said high fence, low fence, no fence. It doesn't matter to me one bit, as long as you're out there hunting and you're doing it ethically. So, uh, sure, sure. And, 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 I, and I spoke to Corey Nolan as well, and what Corey said is we've got to do a better job of getting our message out there, letting them know what trophy hunters do. We're not just cutting heads off of animals. We're utilizing all the animals. We're, we're feeding the hungry through programs like Hunters for the Hungry and, and, and doing great things there, providing 
uh, wild game to people, and, and we need to, to get our message out there. I think there's a vast, silent majority out there. Obviously, you've got, you've got people on both ends of the spectrum screaming loudly to be heard, but there's a vast uh, a public majority there in the middle that, that is probably okay with hunting. They might not be hunters themselves, but they understand the conservation aspect. They understand uh, that we're, we're not out there shooting indiscriminately, and, and we need to continue to reach out to those peoples, even though, hey, you might not be a hunter, but this is the good that hunting does, and this is the benefits of it, and, and those, those people, I think, uh, will, will understand that uh, – that, that hunting is a good thing. It is a good thing for conservation. Uh, it is a good thing to raise money for uh, all sorts of conservation projects within the states and the federal government. And uh, and hunters contribute a lot, a lot of that. And we need to do a better job of getting a unified message out to the masses, saying that you know we eat what we kill. And just because we're a trophy hunter and, and challenge ourselves to go after the oldest and the biggest doesn't mean that we're not utilizing everything uh, in that animal. No doubt about it, brother. Well, hey, Connor, um, I'm certainly looking forward to uh, your piece that will uh, cover this topic even more extensively. Uh, I believe it is going to come out in the next issue of Lone Star Outdoor News, so uh, everybody be sure to check that out. Uh, Always great to have you on the show, my friend, and uh, I look forward to doing it again sometime in the near future. Absolutely, Cable. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Love the show. Hey, likewise, my friend. Thanks for all you do covering this great outdoor lifestyle that we all hold so dear. All right, man. See you. All right. There he goes, our good friend and Lone Star Outdoor News Managing Editor, Connor Harrison. We appreciate uh, his contributions. That segment of the show, by the way, proudly brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas premier seed company. They've got anything and everything you need to keep a happy and healthy whitetail herd including the Dr. Deerbacked Buck Forage Oats. Check them out at SenderoSeed.com or call Rob Hughes at one 610 seed today. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. When we come back, uh, I'm going to give you a review on a recent international big game hunt that I went on a uh, about a month ago now. And uh, we're going to do that because I thought it was a great entry-level Big game hunt that the working man can't afford. Heck, I'm not a wealthy man, uh, but I was able to do this hunt for a relatively fair price. And so whether you hunt them in Canada or elsewhere, or if you choose to stay stateside, uh, they're actually black bears are the second most popular big game animal hunted in North America, um, something that I wasn't aware of until recently. Uh, But the price tag is pretty consistent across the board. Whether you hunt them in Utah, Idaho, Alberta, Saskatchewan, wherever, um, you're looking at spending about the same amount of money. And we'll get into that next because I think this is a great entry-level big game hunt for anyone looking to expand their horizons beyond the typical uh, animals we pursue here in Texas like whitetail and uh, feral hogs and so on and so forth. So anyway, that's coming up next on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show.
Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Hey y'all, Cable here, and I was just out catching sand bass on Lake Bob Sandlin with the guys from Eagle Shores, and they wanted me to remind you about the one weekend sale, July 11th and 12th. Purchase your own lakefront property that weekend, and Eagle Shores on Lake Bob Sandlin will throw in a free jet ski and trailer. It's time you stop going to your buddy's lake house every holiday and started making memories at your own place by calling Eagle Shores at 877-9-Lakeside. That's 877-9-Lakeside to get set up for the July sale at Eagle Shores. Rockwall Gun Club is North Texas' premier shooting facility, offering both indoor and outdoor ranges, including a unique 500-yard rifle range. If shotgunning's your thing, then check out the 18-station clay course. Opening summer 2014, Rockwall Gun Club is offering special introductory, family, and corporate membership rates for founding members. Located at 15950 State Highway 205, you can also visit rockwallgunclub.com or call 972-215-6902. Rockwall Gun Club, the private shooting experience. At Frost, we could talk to you about our 24-7 online banking. Or we could talk to you about our more than 1,100 ATMs across Texas. We can even talk to you about our mobile banking app that lets you pay bills, transfer funds, and deposit checks from anywhere. But at the end of the day, there's nothing we enjoy more than to just talk to you. Thank you for calling Frost. How may I help you? We're here with the technology and convenience you want and the service you deserve. Frost. Banking. Investments. Insurance. Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. At LSC Trailer Sales, we offer a full line of utility trailers from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. We can special order a custom trailer specific to your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions you might have about trailers. Call 940-484-5500 or visit us at lsctrailersales.com. Finally, quality trailers at affordable prices in Dallas-Fort Worth.
Staple Smith, welcoming everybody back to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show, Southbound Streets, the name of that one there, from Mickey and the Motor Cars. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Uh, I'm actually about to give you my bear hunting review from this spring uh, here momentarily. I've had a lot of y'all uh, email questions and uh, send us messages on Facebook after uh, seeing uh, the hunt that uh, myself and Glenn Underwood, uh, our friend and owner of Coons Canyon Ranch, went on up in Alberta last month. So uh, we'll get into that here momentarily. But first, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by Hercules Hunting Blinds. actually just put one of these up on my lease. And uh, it's cool because it's got windows that cater to both rifle hunters and archery hunters. So uh, you want to bow hunt pigs at a feeder, you know, 20 yards away, you can do that. Or you want to set it up a little farther back, you know, 100 yards or more and uh, wait for that big buck to walk out. You can do that as well. Plus, it's got cup holders, carpet, you name it, the whole deal. It uh, really is an awesome hunting blind. And you can check them out at HerculesHuntingBlinds.com. Um, well, okay, let's go ahead and talk black bear hunting here. As uh, many of you know, or you might have seen on Facebook or other social media outlets by now, I went on my first international big game hunt at the end of May. I booked my Alberta black bear hunt with McKinnon Outfitters at the uh, 2015 Dallas Safari Club convention. And we've had a lot of you guys and gals uh, send us emails or uh, private messages on Facebook asking about the cost associated with this hunt and everything else that went into it. Uh, so we'll get into that momentarily. But first, let me tell you that I highly recommend black bear hunting for anyone looking to expand their horizons and pursue something other than the typical, you know, whitetail, hogs, turkey, or waterfowl, etc., that we traditionally hunt here in Texas. Um, so there's a variety of reasons why I, I recommend it. Um, number one though, you can hunt them during the spring. So after, uh, whitetail season is come and gone, uh, actually turkey season's over by then, uh, when bear season opens up in many places. Uh, so it's a great time of the year to do something different. Also, let's face it. Uh, a lot of us like the adrenaline rush of hunting big game and, being 15 feet away from a 400-pound black bear will definitely get your heart racing. I can attest to that. Uh, so there's that element as well. Uh, being that close to an apex predator of that size, uh, a little intimidating. Um, what else? Okay, black bear populations are at an all-time high uh, since you know we've had the management and conservation movement here in North America. And they're actually the second most popular big game species hunted on our continent. So there's plenty of opportunity. And uh, high population numbers means more shot opportunity. And it, of course, that's going to depend on your outfitter. Uh, if you hunt over bait, your success rate is going to be anywhere from 90 to you know 140%. And that, that means some people are taking two bears. And now if you're doing uh, spot and stock, uh, closer to 70 to 85 percent uh, for most outfitters and then if you're hunting with hounds uh, you know that's going to vary as well depending on on the outfitter uh, but plenty of opportunity and and yes if you go bear hunting chances are you're going to see bears and more than likely you're going to have a shot opportunity uh, now one of the other 
things that I wanted to mention is there's hunts that cater to every hunting style. Yes, uh, myself and Glenn, we hunted over bait sites in Alberta with McKinnon Outfitters. But you don't have to do it that way. Uh, you can spot and stalk. Heck, you can chase them with hounds uh, if you want to do that. There's plenty of states that uh, allow hound hunting. So you can chase black bears in a variety of manner. Uh, you can also book a hunt where you stay in a beautiful lodge like we did. Uh, I know uh, Glenn's a little too precious to go uh, way back in the bush, although we were hunting way back in the bush. But actually staying in wall tents, that kind of stuff. That's an option as well. Surprisingly, the cost associated with each option isn't very different. So, uh, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, you know, go for it. Uh, most of the hunts are two-on-one, you know, guide to hunters. So, you know, you have two hunters to every guide. Um, and that's across the board what I've found, whether you're looking at Maine, Utah, Idaho, or Canada. Uh, so let's talk about the most important thing, cost. I am will be the first to tell you. I'm not a wealthy man. I saved up for two years to go on my hunt. But unlike, you know, uh, chasing Yukon brown bears or uh, doll sheep or, God forbid, um, you bought a desert bighorn tag. I mean, that kind of stuff ranges from 15000 to $60,000 uh, or mountain goats. I mean, you're still looking reindeer, all that stuff. You're well above ten grand for those kind of hunts. Moose is eight grand. And up uh, in most cases. So black bear is going to come in, you know, at about half of that um, as far as moose is concerned. You can uh, get a tag for one bear in, in many instances for about 2500 to three grand, And uh, you can get two tags in, in many states and provinces, not all of them. Uh, but And that usually is going to run you 3500 to to $5,000. None of that includes your tags and license fees, which will be roughly about another 500 bucks. Um, then you got to talk about airfare, unless you're going somewhere that you can drive to. And actually one of the couples that was on our hunt drove from Colorado to Alberta. So, I mean, driving is a great option, save you some money there. Um, but I'll tell you the thing that got me wasn't the airfare. It was the bag fees. So I checked my, my bag, I checked my bow and I checked my rifle and, and then on the way back, I had to check a couple of bear hides and skulls in a, in a Tupperware, uh, which actually was very easy to fly with. Uh, they, we just froze them, checked them, got them back to Texas, no problem, took them straight to the taxidermist. But the bag fees, man, it was like five or $600 just for that alone. Uh, so keep that in mind. Total, though. So what did it cost me? All in after everything, um, the cost of the hunt, the tags. Uh, airfare, bag fees, and of course you got to tip uh, your guide. And if you have a chef at your camp, tip the chef. Uh, that's just the right thing to do if they take care of you. Uh, it cost me about $5,800. Yeah, that's expensive. You can do it for less. Uh, like we said, if you drive somewhere, bam, knock 1500 bucks off the top right there. Shoot, maybe you have a bunch of frequent flyer miles saved up. You know, there's ways to, to uh, save money. Um, and now that I've done it, you know, I'm here to tell you, uh, you know, hopefully you can figure out ways to, to, uh, shave some of that overall cost off the top. Um, but you know, if, if, if you want to drive to, uh, Utah, someplace like that, save money that way. But, uh, the point is that you're going to spend between four and $6,000 just about anywhere you go. Um, 
So that's kind of the cost associated. It's a great entry-level big-game hunt for anyone just looking to do something different from like we've talked about just whitetail hunting, turkey, hogs, all the stuff that we love to hunt here in Texas. Uh, but if you want to do something different during the spring, I highly, highly recommend it. And you can cater your hunt like I talked about any way that you want to do that as well. So lots of options. I guess to sum things up, the options are limitless. You can hunt where you want, stay where you want. And when it comes down to it, once you've made the decision to go black bear hunting, you can pretty much pay what you want within that, you know, four to $6,000 uh, range for the most part. So anyway, um, I was able to take one bear with my bow, a nice sow. I shot on the first night and then I uh, took a huge boar um, on the fourth day of our six-day hunt. And that was really the highlight for me. Took that one with my uh, Horizon Firearm 7 mag. And that uh, he was about a 400-pound bear. He ran 10 yards and piled up. It was uh, And I got it all on film. If you haven't seen the video, check it out on our, my YouTube channel. <laughs> it was pretty cool. And there is nothing more eerie but also satisfying because you know you made a good shot than hearing a black bear's death moan in the woods. It, uh, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up for sure. So anyway, uh, there it is. Uh, Spring Black Bear 101. Y'all asked, so I thought I would uh, hopefully shed some light on that. You know, the only thing I forgot to mention is in many states and provinces, uh, the outfitters also will throw in a wolf tag on your hunt. Now, I didn't see any wolves. We, I, I actually did try to call uh, after I had tagged out on bears. We did a couple stands, uh, saw some wolf tracks, but uh, it's really not the best time of the year to hunt wolves. And, uh, man, that would have been the icing on the cake for what was already the hunt of a lifetime for me. So uh, whether you book with McKinnon Outfitters or, or anyone else, I mean, like we said, uh, there's black bears in just about every state in the lower 48 plus Alaska. Uh, so uh, the options are limitless. And then you've got the vast Canadian landscape to work with as well. Two thumbs up. If you want to do something different and, uh, you know, you want to be budget conscious, Black Bear is a great option. Well, man, uh, just looking at the clock here, we have got to go. Uh, that segment of the show probably brought to you by Rudy's Barbecue, by the way, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner and enjoy Rudy's true Texas-style barbecue. Um, thanks to all of our guests today. Of course, Dave Terry from Texas Parks and Wildlife. Uh, also, Connor Harrison of Lone Star Outdoor News, as well as the lovely Miss Teresa Vale. We appreciate her hopping on today as well. Uh, we'll do it again, same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you the listener, for being a part of Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. If she gives me half a chance at romance, I'm gonna dance her home.